Lord for this evening. Thank you, sister. We would open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 to 27. Colossians 1, in the authorized King James. And it reads, Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. Verse 27. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of the mystery of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Point to your neighbor and say, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for this day and for this opportunity to share in your word. We pray that the revelation of the hope we have and, Lord, the glory that is beholding us, O oh Lord, will come to each one of us. That our lives might be conformed, transformed and conformed to you. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So tonight we are talking about Christ Jesus, our hope of glory. Maybe let me start by sharing a bit of our history as Ghanaians. You know, you'd notice that lately the discussion has been party manifestos. The leading parties are telling us what they want to do. I believe that all that they are trying to do is to give us some kind of hope that if I win power, this is what I'll bring across to the nation and this is how different life will be. Everybody is trying to portray himself as a symbol of hope. Hallelujah. It's nothing really new. Um, even in America, before Obama came, every black person thought Obama's victory was going to be the end of all black problems in America. But I think that uh, years after, things are worse off among black people. The hope that they had because of things that are happening politically, I'm not sure we've achieved that yet. Amen. When we were much younger as um, children, um, fortunately some of us have seen all the coups that have taken place in this country, at least in our lifetime, because before 66 there was no coup. And we're here before then by the grace of God. We saw that people had a lot of hope. After the 66 coup, I was little, but I remember very well, there's a lot of celebration all over. That the world of Ghanaians was going to be the very best. It's after independence, it started. The hope was very high. By 66, it was very much, much, after the coup, much higher. But that hope was not kept. Because the people who organized the coup, they were called National Liberation Council. So people thought that, oh, once they've come to liberate us, all our problems will be solved. But our problems were never solved. We went around 69, 
We had another democratic era. Progress Party. Hope. The name of the party, the winning party. Progress. Sure. And there's still no hope. 72 came. National Redemption Council. Led by Colonel Kutua Champon. Redemption. Giving us hope. Nice talk. I can't, I don't want to go over all the nice statements they made. In less than seven years, I think 78, six years, among themselves, they are changed to Supreme Military Council. The rest is history. And on and on and on. So anytime there is a change, people try to give hope. I remember in 79, when the late Akablemeza was contesting for president, the, this corn beef and things, it didn't start today. He came to Cape Coast and he had truck loads, uh, buses loads of people sharing sardine, custom made, vanguard party. Sharing and giving hope that out of the hands of the military, a new kind of leadership will come. But that didn't happen. Ghanaians are not the only ones. Even the Jews. They had a misplaced hope when they were waiting for Jesus. Because they had been under the, the control of the Greeks and now under the Romans. They said, ah, our master, our warrior has come to give us hope. And our hope is that we also have our own identity. That also was frustrated. Because that was not the kind of hope that Jesus was offering. Tonight, the scripture says the expectation of the righteous will not be cast short. So our hope must not dwell on any of these. Amen. The word hope means a feeling of expectation based on God's promise within the Christian context. You look at the word of God. And you take it. So when the Bible says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Who was Paul addressing? He was addressing Gentiles of Colossae who had come to Christ like the people of Ephesus. If you look at the book of Ephesians and Colossians, it's almost the same thing. Almost every chapter, the words. Because they were both Gentile settlements. And their lifestyles before they came to Christ were similar. So, Paul was telling them that where you've come from, there was a mystery, there was a hidden thing about God that the Jews even didn't picture. That the Gentiles will ever know God. But through Jesus Christ, now the Gentiles also Know God. Hallelujah. And by knowing God was taking them to another level of giving them hope which was different from what the Jews had talked about. Hallelujah. So that feeling of expectation was being ignited by Paul when he said that Christ in you the hope of glory. Now, the word glory also means a high honor 
which is identified with a notable achievement. But of course, it also means bliss. Something beautiful, magnificent. But in Christ Jesus, both words, both meanings are manifest. So when Paul says that Christ in you, the hope of glory, that means you, the Gentiles, you are going to see the bliss and the honor of God all combined. When we say bliss, we are talking about great beauty. Glory means great beauty. Great um, uh, uh, view. Something which is very, very nice to behold. So the Gentile people are going to look at the Gentiles who have now come to Christ and it will be beautiful to see them. Hallelujah. And we are those Gentiles the Bible is talking about. To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory to this mystery among the Gentiles. The non-Jews. Which is Christ in you. The mystery that how can God come among the heathen. You and I. Where we come from. Where our homes. People, Paul, like we saw as a child. I saw elders daily going to Nkunyadem. Nkunyadem is a schoolroom. And it became, it was normal. I saw people do that. Well, we thought that you could serve God, go to church, and still do all of those things, and still be accepted. It's all leading to one God. But now, Christ reveals to me, and to you, the true God. Say, Amen. It's a beautiful thing to behold. So when we talk about hope and glory, these are the two words in this statement. But even beyond that, in in our Christian context, of the glory of God, we are also talking about the expected change in the way we will look. We will appear when Christ appears. Which is found in the book of Corinthians. First Corinthians 15. I don't want to spend too much time there. So when we say hope in the Lord, it tells you that there can be hope in other things. It's not every hope which has a strong foundation. There are some hope, there is some hope which has a very weak foundation. Even in the church, there are people who have misplaced hope. Hallelujah. They are born again, but their hope in Christ is not the total hope that the Bible is talking about. And I'll explain shortly. When you look at the story of John, in John chapter 11, verse 21 to 24, which deals with Mary and Martha, and the way their brother um, died. It says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou will ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Martha was telling Jesus 
that I have hope that my brother will rise. But really, so far as hope about his resurrection or his uh, being raised from the dead is concerned, the, day, the door is shut. There's no expected miracle. So, number one, weak faith, weak hope, or area of weakness when it comes to hope, is when a person's hope depends on his circumstances. We see Jesus and say that, oh, if my, he's only for this my circumstance. When the circumstance change, I can't see Jesus. I can only see Jesus when I'm in church. I'm only seeing Jesus when I'm, in, I'm, I'm a pastor. I can only see Jesus when I'm, I'm, I'm married. I can only see Jesus when I have a child. When the circumstance change, I don't see Jesus. When money is in my pocket, I see Jesus. When there's no money in my pocket, I don't see Jesus. So Martha was saying, Lord, if you have been here, the circumstance, there are many people who say, oh, I believe in the Lord, I have hope in the Lord. But they are Jesus is only when their pocket is wet with money. But when their pocket is dry, their hope vanishes. That is a weak kind of hope. There's another group who depend a lot on personalities. Even though they are in the faith and around people of faith and the word of God, really, their faith is anchored by personalities. So you see, even they say, if you had been here. Now look at Psalm 60 verse 11. The scripture gives us a warning. Say, woe, give us help from trouble. For vain is the help of man. So there are many people who are around. They are in the faith. They are in church all right. But they believe in men. When they, they get a dream and a vision, the first thing is, who, can, who is going to help me? Or who pastor will pray the strong prayers for me? Who will connect me to this and to that and to that so that ABC will fall in place? A lot of times, even though we say we know God is going to move, in our back, we are, we are believing, oh, my husband will do it for me. My wife will do it. God will use this person. So when that person fails, then the hope is shattered. It's a fake hope. Amen. Hope based on personality. There are many people who say, we hope in the Lord. My hope is in the Lord. But really, they are looking around and seeing. So when certain people are not around them, their hope dwindles. There are also people who are in the faith, whose faith, hope, is in resources. Psalm 20 verse 7. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but which are trust in the name of the Lord our God. So when you have a lot around, when the resources are there, it's okay. I have hope in the Lord because it is well. I have a car. I have a house. I have marriage when I, I'm married when I want to marry. I have children. I have this going for me so I can I, I have hope. Then I see my Jesus. But if I don't have all of those things, 
and I don't have anybody to provide those things, then my hope with this. That is not the kind of faith, hope that Paul is talking about. Hallelujah. There's yet another group, even in the house of God, that Paul talks about. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 19 to 21. He says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. For since by man death came death, Sorry, by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. I want to focus on verse 19. If in this life alone we have hope. So it means our people whose hope is tied to times and seasons. The time of life, the time of death, the time of, of a certain period, they know that it will work. If the time passes, their hope goes. But I want to believe that we all want to align ourselves with what we call the eternal hope that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. In Revelations 1.8, Jesus introduces himself as the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. In other words, he is not bound by any restrictions of time, of circumstances, of personalities, of resources. He says, which is to come, the Almighty. So there is no strength, area of strength that his, 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 his hope in him cannot cover. Hallelujah. Now, we are aiming to operate at this level when we talk about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Our dependency on Christ is not going to be restricted to our time whilst we are here and the limitations of our environment. In fact, it goes beyond our being Ghanaian, being African, being CFCC people, being a married man, being a, a single person. No! Your hope in Christ is not dependent on any of these things. We, must, we are desirous of moving our hope from these limitations or circumstances. Whether you are single or married, whether you are old or young, whether you have riches or not, Paul, the, the, Jesus himself is giving hope to the, 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 the brethren through um, uh, uh, John. He's saying that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Let's look at the clarity of that same statement from Titus chapter 2, verse 13. So this description of the hope in the Lord, it covers all the other limitations and more. It covers our circumstance. It covers the personalities. It covers the resources. He says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus saves you, after Jesus saved you and I, 
is not for just your today nor my today, but in continuous hope of a certain appearance of Jesus. If we get born again today, and it's only for him to provide the sardine and the geisha and the things that the late Akablemeza provided, and all these things the politician may provide, one district, one down, one this, one that, one this, one that, all of these things, we get all of it, we are not complete. Because we are still looking. Looking is continuous. Looking is a continuous thing. Looking for that blessed hope. So this hope that we are talking about is not a now forever thing, but it's something that continues in perpetuity. Hallelujah. It says, and the glorious appearing of the great God. Now, it means that a child of God cannot be complete if he doesn't live in expectation of the appearing of Jesus. Note this. A child of God, your faith, my faith and my hope is incomplete if I don't live in daily expectation of the coming of the Lord Jesus. Say amen. I want to talk briefly still about this hope. Now when you hear about this glorious hope, it triggers certain things. And if your hope in Christ has not triggered them, begin to pray and ask the Lord to help me. This thing, the Holy Spirit must trigger these things. Otherwise, your hope that you have is not real. Your true hope in Christ, that Paul is talking about, Christ in you, the hope of glory, that kind of hope will trigger certain things. If your hope is on the circumstance of your life, that I want to go to this school or that school, I want to have this opportunity to travel here, I want to have this business, I want to marry. All those hope, that kind of hope, doesn't necessarily trigger what I'm about to share. But when your hope is genuinely triggered on Christ, uh, centered on Christ, it triggers, number one, it triggers no shame, no disappointment. No shame, no disappointment. Romans 5, 5. True hope in Christ does not make you ashamed. Or it does not disappoint. Now it doesn't mean that if somebody promises you a job, they may not disappoint you on their job. No. But what it means is that nothing called disappointment disappoints you. They may promise you a, a, a marriage. A man may promise you, I'll marry you. I think we used to have that song, Farmer, Farmer, will you marry me? Oh yes, I'll marry you tomorrow. How can I marry such a beautiful girl when I have no shoes to wear? I'll run, run, run to the shop shop. That song. And you got all the things and the last show, the farmer disappoints. Hallelujah. So you can have everything coming and still lead to disappointment. But that disappointment for the one that has hope in Christ, he counts it as nothing. She sees it, but it doesn't affect. She doesn't get a broken heart because somebody promised. Because there is a bigger promise by somebody who is more dependable. That's what the Christ in you, the hope. You are looking forward to that glorious hope. A higher level of hope, which is more glorious, which is more honorable. It's not the same as the word of man. 
It's not the same as the one that depends on circumstance. That hope will trigger you being immune to shame or disappointment. Hope maketh not ashamed. It doesn't disappoint. That is the godly, the Christ-centered hope. When it's human-centered, you feel disappointed. So you lose hope in everybody. You lose value for yourself. You don't want to communicate with anyone. You, you shut out. Your whole world is shut. Because you put something on the table and you expected God to do something. You didn't see it. Men may disappoint. And when they disappoint, if your hope is in Christ, you, don't, you, are, you become immovable. You become unshakable. You, you, men do not become your ultimate. So true hope in Christ, even though things may not go the way we expect, that kind of true hope does not make us ashamed. We don't know any disappointment. It's for us, when we see things not going the way we expect, we know it's another opportunity for the greater manifestation of the glory of God. Say amen. When you, when you, 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 you haven't experienced human disappointment or institutional disappointment, it's easy to say these things. Somebody will say in their heart. But I'm telling you that I speak with authority. I speak as somebody who has experienced what this human disappointment really means. Where you get a word from a man or an institution or circumstance all look so good, but it doesn't go the way you expect. Hallelujah. And yet, because you have this hope in Christ, it doesn't shatter you. It doesn't destroy you. Because you are resting in the eternal hope. Hallelujah. So, the first thing that true hope in Christ triggers, you are shameless, you are not disappointed, you are not shut down. The second thing, according to Romans 12, verse 12, is that true hope in Christ causes you to rejoice. See, a person with true hope Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. Continuing instant in prayer. When your hope is built on other things, on people and society and your achievements and circumstances and those circumstances change, you can't rejoice. But when you have that eternal assurance of a guarantor who is behind you, you don't have any fears. Rejoicing always. In hope. So people ask you, why you, why you don't, don't you have problems? Yes, you have problems. But because you have hope. You know, I know, Paul said, I, for I know whom I believed. And I know, I am persuaded. There's no, if you have persuasion in that person that you are depending on, you don't worry. See, one of the things, when the banks crashed, the banking crisis of last year or two, you see, Bank of Ghana checks, even your earthly system, you know that they don't bounce unless the country is in serious crisis. Bank of Ghana. When Bank of Ghana itself, governor has signed or whoever is there has signed, it doesn't bounce. When you get, because 
the state is guaranteeing that it has to be paid. And we trust the signature of the governor or the treasurer of the Bank of Ghana. And because of the signature, that guarantee, like treasury bill. Why do we invest in treasury bills? Why do we invest in bonds? Because we trust the state. When some, these small scale private investing companies, investment companies took our monies, many, and, and it was time for them to pay, we were, many were shattered. But for the person who had direct investment with Bank of Ghana, this, all this disappointment didn't affect him. Because there is a security and there is a security. That is what I'm talking about. So, yes, men will give you their checks. They may bounce. But heavenly check doesn't bounce. I said heavenly check doesn't bounce. So heavenly bond does not bounce. The bond that the bank of heaven writes, the assurance that comes from the bank of heaven, it doesn't fail. Amen. Many of us, we are dealing with savings and loan companies. When the bank of heaven is there. I'm not talking financially. I'm talking about even in our lives. In our everyday lives, in our decisions. Decisions about marriage. Decisions about work. Decisions about our next steps. It's so heavily dependent on the word of man. It's so heavily dependent on the circumstance that we find ourselves. I have this qualification, I have that, I have that. Or that person promised me that that person promised. So our whole hope is on that. But tonight, God is telling me to tell you that if you hope in the Lord, you will be rejoicing even when there is tribulation. You will be patient in circumstances that, look, that challenge you. When you see hope, you will always rejoice. Once there is hope in you, 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 you will never be moody. Why are we cast down? David said to himself, my soul, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Because he had hope. He said, hope thou in the Lord. Hope thou in the Lord. When you hope in the Lord, you'll be rejoicing, even in tribulation. I learned early in my Christian walk, many years ago, that rejoice even in tribulation and walk in wisdom towards them that are without. Especially when you are, um, you are dealing with unbelievers, I enjoy rejoicing in the Lord when I feel the pressure of life because I know it works, because I have hope. And I know that the, my Redeemer comes in right on time. He's never too late. He's never too late. Many of us, we are bound by circumstance of time. But I've shown you that that kind of hope is a false hope. Hope that is time bound. Circumstantially bound. Age bound. Physical resources bound. It's not the Jesus kind of hope. He said, we look forward to an eternal hope. Eternal hope. We are depending on the Alpha and the Omega. The Almighty to guarantee the things he has said. Faithfully see who has promised and he will do it. Say amen. We have a sure guarantor. In every situation, if God 
took you. Sometimes we can believe in ourselves and our certificate that I went to this place, I worked on this place, and that place, they have not been fair to me, and that person has not been fair to me. My brother, my sister, take your matter to say, instant, continue instant in prayer. The person who has hope in the Lord, he continue, he said, he continuing. Everybody said the word continuing. Oh, I don't hear you. Continuing. Continuing. See, when you, you have hope in Christ, you don't stop praying. You prayer, hope provokes prayer. When you have hope, it provokes prayer. The reason why many of us are not able to pray because our hope is not founded, it's not grounded. When your hope is alive, your revelation of the hope that Paul is talking about is strong. It provokes prayer. It provokes prayer. It provokes prayer. Nobody will call you to a prayer meeting. You yourself, you know that I know that my Redeemer liveth. The third thing that hope in the Lord provokes is life, strength. When you have hope, you are rekindled. Look at Abraham. I won't read it. In Romans chapter 4. Father Abraham, his body was weak. His wife's body was weak. But when God appeared to him, hope came alive. His body was rekindled. He was energized. Hope energizes you. It puts energy in you. Physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Anything that is dying, when there is hope, when you speak, it comes alive. When you re- re- react to it in, in hope, you know that it will come alive. Say amen. The third, fourth thing that happens when there is genuine, godly hope, Christ-centered hope, is it provokes purity. Let's look at First John chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. First John. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it hath not yet appeared what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. And everyone, every, everybody say every. Every. Point to yourself. Everyone, I'm part of everyone. You are part of everyone. So it cannot be that you have this hope. He says, and everyone this, has this hope in himself, purifies himself, even as he's pure. So do, we don't, if you, the hope is in you, nobody has to be cranking you. You don't need to deal, oh, this person is coming, so I won't drink again. Let's say somebody is coming to you at a funeral, and you are put Guinness in the Coca-Cola bottle. <laughs> Hallelujah. Or anything we are doing. You say, oh, this person is coming. Or you are doing something that we are not happy, people may see. That you know to create for No. Because the hope that is in you pushes you and I into a certain state of mind and a certain state of action. Say amen. But when you, that hope is not alive, it's easy to say, oh, that person is not there. This person is not there. And let me say, feel free. 
Hope. Godly hope. Christ-centered hope. It makes you shameless. Or it will not disappoint. Will keep you rejoicing. Will liven up your life. And will help you to walk in purity. Say amen. Now let's look quickly at the issue of the glory. The word glory, as I've explained, is a magnificent beauty, influence. But also it means honor. When somebody is in his glory, the days of his glory, it means that he's in the days of great honor and respect and acceptance. And you see, glory often comes after an achievement from the biblical perspective. There are two, I'll illustrate with two, two achievements. One is the race, the other is the war. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Every child of God must have a war mentality. Failure to have the war mentality will reduce your desire for this glory. And when I say war, I'm not talking about witches and wizards in our hometown. I'm talking about the Christian warfare. The war against the flesh. The war against the systems of the world. The war against the, the human systems. Canality and all. That's what the witches and wizards in our hometowns, God, they, 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 we've dealt with them already. The war that Paul speaks about in Galatians 5. And the war against the systems, the, custom, the, the, the traditions. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord is telling us that once you come in into the faith, you are into a battle, whether you like it or not. Through no fault of yours. Let's read First Timothy 1.18. It says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before thee, but that thou mightest war a good warfare. Every child of God is not only for pastors. It's not only for deacons. We all are engaged in some warfare. Hallelujah. Now this warfare has, is a continuous warfare. It can come in any form. Demons can attack us, attack our st- stuff like it did, it, they did to, uh, a job. Different things, scenarios. People can set up traps. People can say things to hurt our spirit or our emotions. Or we can see things we may not like, but we have to confront and live with. It's a warfare. Let me say that the glory comes after the victory. When you have won this war, then you can celebrate the glory. When they go to Middle East, from the days of General Eskin to date, they always put, uh, they give them medals to recognize the achievements over there. It's the same thing we are looking forward to. When you look forward to that day, when the Lord will give you and I medals to, that we have fought a good warfare, it changes our outlook to life. If you are not looking forward to anything, then you don't care. 
we can live anyhow. But God help us all. Amen. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That glory we are looking for is to see all other troops on parade. And you being singled out. And you walking on the red carpet to see the general. To give you an honor. And to put the, the, the stars on your jacket or your, your, your uniform. And walk briskly back to the ranks. And everybody giving you the salute. That is what we are looking forward to. That is that martyr's war, a good warfare. It's also a race. This race is not competitive. It's like a marathon. And everybody is running his own track. And Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. It says, we run the race not to drop out, but to finish well. I've told you many times about one of my friends who was running the 5,000 with another colleague and couldn't finish the race and screamed for help. We should not be like that person. But as we go on, running a stamina demanding race can be very challenging. And sometimes even the so-called umpires. Recently, last week or two, one of the best Tennis players who could have won the U.S. Uh, Open lost the chance, I think, at the semifinal. I didn't watch it, but I read it in the news. Djokovic. Because he had an issue with the, with the umpire. He could have been another time of honor for him. But he lost it because of emotions. Beloved, as we run the race, sometimes you can even think that the whole stadium plus the referee and everybody is against you. The whole church, the, all the ministers, all everybody hates you. Don't be like Raymond. Everybody loves Raymond. There's a movie like that. Don't be like that. In this race, sometimes it may look like all the odds are against you, but you still have to finish the race. You still have to finish. Whether the umpire supports you or not, you still have to finish the race. We all, and we have no excuse if we get into a situation where because of the umpire, the referee, or whoever that God places there, we get frustrated. That umpire may be your husband. That umpire may be your wife. That umpire may be your son. That umpire may be your pastor. That umpire may be somebody even the government can provoke you. And before you're wrong, you're frustrated. You've lost it. May it not be you. So, two scenarios that will bring the glory. Finishing the race, finishing the fight. So let's, how do I experience this glory? Four things. The scripture we read from the beginning, Colossians 1.27 says, which is Christ in you, so Christ must be in you. The hope of glory. Before, so the beginning is just a beginning. Christ in you. Then you have hope of that glory, enjoying that glory. You cannot be part of the fight nor the race if you don't have the DNA of Jesus. If you have never asked Jesus to come into your life and you have never even been part of him and the Holy Spirit is not a seal 
upon your life, according to Ephesians 4.30, you cannot run the race. Maybe you are running a different race. Maybe you are fighting a, good, a different fight. You can't say like Paul, I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. No. Paul said, I've, kept, I've fought a good fight. Finished the race. I've kept the faith. Because he had the DNA of Jesus Christ. So your citizenship is your qualification. Citizenship in heaven is your qualification to run the race. If you go to Olympic Games, nations are at least are running on the tickets of nations. You can't just go there and just say, I also want to run. And our qualification to run is when you are in Christ. That's number one, to get the honor. Number two, they set their eyes on the eternal reward. Second Corinthians 4, 7 says, If we set our eyes on the eternal reward, the things that happen around us, they become insignificant. We don't worry. People may, may, may not trust you or believe you or, or have hope in you, but if you have hope in the Lord, you will see problems and then you rejoice because you look at the eternal glory which is ahead of you. Thirdly, these are people who endure to the end. There's no point starting so well and not finishing. In Romans 8.17 And last but not the least, fight! Fight! Now, let me clarify something. When we talk about endurance, the things that happen for you to endure are things you don't expect. Things you don't expect. You don't expect your husband to be the one worrying you. Or your wife to be the one worrying you in your faith. Or even your pastor to be the one seemingly worrying you. Or people in church to be the people worrying you. Sometimes, that's how it happens. That's what you have to endure. But the fight, that's what the fight is. You yourself deciding, I want to move on. Fight a good fight of faith. And no fight is one way. If you remember Azuma Nelson, Azuma Chule, Chule, then he will have his, he will, he will take the uppercut. Today is your time to listen to the man in the corner. And it's my time to listen to the man in the corner. The enemy cannot ride over us when we have Christ in us, the hope of glory. Victory, the Lord has already secured for us. It's for us to declare and to walk in that victory. Focus on finishing well. Don't aim to drop in the middle. We are going all the way. Let us pray. Tell the Lord, Lord, I want to finish well. I want to finish strongly. I want to fight on to the end. Nothing will deter me. Nothing will deter me. I want to fight the, the, the race because I see the hope on the, on, on the crown. Like Paul saw the crown. There, God has prepared for me his crown of righteousness. Not only for me, for all others who love his appearance. Oh Lord, help me. Let nothing deter me. I will not be deterred. I will fight on to the end. I will be steadfast. I will be immovable. I will be unshakable. Always abounding in the love of the Lord. Fight a good fight of faith. Thank you, Jesus. Help your children to finish well. To run well. Not to be discouraged. 
Not to be afraid. Persevere to the end. And look unto you, the author and finisher of our faith.